So, hello everybody. Welcome to episode one of Tech Tree. There will be some music here, obviously. Uh, so I'm Chirag, and on my left, kind of figuratively, is Partha. Hello, Partha. Hey, Chirag, and hey, everybody. And so on my right, I suppose, again, figuratively, Shivan. Hello, Shivan. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us today. Wonderful. So our idea, and to try and bring you news, views, and thoughts on various trends in technology, both consumer and enterprise. Uh, we also want to try and focus on our region in particular, because I think one of the things that we find ourselves when we listen to news, we even podcasts and other things, is that they focus in on the US or, or Europe, perhaps. And sometimes it's nice to have a context that you know pertains more to our side of the world. The whole thing with TechTree was, I, I think the UAE's technology scene is, is very disjointed. And, and I've discussed this at length with Partha, and I've discussed it with Chirag. Three of us, we have pretty hardcore backgrounds in technology. I work with drones, and uh, I have uh, 10 years experience in IT. Uh, Chirag and Partha have similar backgrounds where they're all hardcore tech guys. We've been doing this for upwards of 10 years. So here we are. We're here to, to start something and add some value for our listeners. And hopefully it'll lead to some interesting discussions, some heated debates. You guys have literally left nothing for me to kind of add to that. I think between the three of us, I think uh, three decades of experience uh, from various different angles, from a consumer perspective, from an enterprise perspective, or even from a person who's just spectating from the outside. Between the three of us, we've got everything in there. And because we're in the region for close to around the same kind of timeline around three decades cumulatively i've been here only about seven years but i've been in the tech industry for the last 15 so i've done everything from report news to doing a podcast in the past to actually writing about technology representing brands to pr and now training on technology and i think i hope to bring some of that to the table when we have the discussions. Awesome. Thank you, Partha. We're also going to try and take up one main topic that we can discuss. We can talk about trends. We can talk about how it impacts our region, perhaps our lives, uh, you know, or in the case of enterprise tech, how, um, you know, innovation is driving things. So, for example, on this episode, we're going to be talking a little bit about home automation, smart homes in a little bit. But first, let's start out with some, you know, a couple of interesting news that, that came our way. I'm going to start with the by police now using drones to monitor traffic patterns. So do you guys have any thoughts on this? So we'll start with Partha. So this has actually been something that the RT have been planning for the last uh, year and a half. They wanted to do not just drones, but also uh, autonomous vehicles that were patrolling parking areas and, you know, smaller areas where drones aren't allowed in residential areas, so, so to speak. And um, they've been actually doing this. Uh, they've been trying to work on different applications for these things to kind of help uh, reduce the load on humans to monitor these specific traffic problems like parking or trying to figure out the traffic uh, bottlenecks occur. And I think now uh, with the use of these drones, it's actually going to improve because they'll get a lot more data. They'll get a lot better uh, accurate information because it'll be more real time rather than just guesstimating what's happening at the spot. Using drones to monitor traffic, it's sort of been tried everywhere uh, across the world. You always think that, right, what, what can you monitor from a drone that you can't do using a CCTV camera system? And there are a couple of things that drones can do. And for some, I think they may not be ideal. So let's talk about the stuff that they can do. If there's an accident somewhere on a highway and let's say you're looking at E11 or Bypass Road, which is a very typical rush hour situation for Dubai police, I'm sure. You can put up a drone and see how long the traffic 
uh, lines are and you can also see who's cutting into let's say the yellow line because cctv camera systems can't like you have to be either near infrastructure where they're located and that's not always the case so that's where that's one place where they're useful the other thing if you have, have read the news articles is the 4g 5g will be probably next year 4g addresses a big problem in the drone industry in general and that is control most drones use radio so you have to have like an operator on the ground to control these devices when they're in the air. Uh, with 4G, you can use the, the SISTI's existing uh, cell phone infrastructure to control these drones. And that's kind of what they're doing with these devices right now. So it means you can you know control it from a control center, or you, you can control it from a hobby or from anywhere. As long as you've got access to the internet, you can control these drones. And that's what makes them versatile because then you don't have to deploy a guy on the ground to, to operate them. You can just send them where they need to go. 4G also allows you to broadcast compressed video live. So I'm sure they'll be able to have basically flying CCTV cameras uh, in the sense of the word. Uh, and it remains to be seen uh, how it works out. Uh, but it's good, good to see a positive uh, use of the technology over here. Shivan, you mentioned as well that like they can do things like cutting into lanes and stuff. So do you think that there's going to increase you know, compliance with traffic loops a little bit? I mean, can they take it that far? Potentially, yeah. If you were to take all that video and photo, especially video, uh, and pipe that through some sort of artificial intelligence processing system, you could see uh, people and number plates of, of people, potentially, potentially. I don't know what technologies they're running currently, but potentially you could see who's breaking the law and who's not. So you should be able to see who's falling out of line, who's slowing the traffic down, who's overspeeding, all of that you can analyze. And you could also probably use these drones to capture data uh, on a regular basis and then do, do an analysis of traffic patterns across the city at various times. Another thing that it kind of ties into is not just the use of the drones, but also the software that backs up the drones. Uh, so there's obviously a l lot of load on creating the right kind of uh, system that can do the task the drone is being set out to do. So drone technology today is, is pretty awesome and it can you can cover a lot of area in a small amount of time. But unless you have the software or the intelligence in the drone or in the system that's running the drone to actually do something with the data that's been picked up, and I think that is the big focus and the important picture that we need to really consider. Moving on to the next uh, news item, that Samsung is not getting rid of the headphone jack? Yes. Wow, you sounded so excited. I know, he was like, wow, yes. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, I, I got a phone to pick with the manufacturers on this. So here's the thing, and I'm sure it's speaking for a lot of people who may agree with me or disagree with me. I invest in high quality headphones, okay? Because I know the ones that come out of a box from, and no offense, whether it's an Apple or a Samsung, if you were to compare it to, let's say, a Sennheiser or, or a really good quality Sony or, or other brands, it's, it's shit. And I don't want that because my cell phone device is my primary source of audio during the day. That's what it was meant to be. That's why we're using smartphones. So when you put in a shitty headphone in there and you expect me to use it because you put in a priority plug, it's going to piss me off. And then uh, when everybody decides in the name of, of making our phones thinner to get rid of the headphone jack, because it's, it's a space-saving feature, if you look at the design of all the, the circuitry inside a phone, we didn't ask for thin phones. I want a phone that will last me the freaking day. I don't care about a thin phone that is bendable. 
100 grams heavier or 50 grams heavier, please leave the headphone jack alone because we want to use our own headsets and we don't want to use your proprietary stuff. And hence today when Samsung announced that the S9 potentially is going to have a, a headphone jack for, for next year, I was actually happy. Finally, someone is, is making sense here. And I think it's smart on Samsung to do that because they've removed it for the S8, if I'm not mistaken. And well, it's smart. And also it's, it's because they're getting a lot of positive marketing out of it. So it's a smart marketing move as well. So like, hey, remember this feature that you guys like that everyone's, you know, that we got rid of? Now we're making it back. Yay. So I, I don't want to feel entitled, but honestly, this is not newsworthy. I think everyone should at least provide a solution. And again, if you're going to be talking about dongles, I don't want to carry freaking dongles around in my pocket. Some people actually do leave dongles connected to their to their headset, and that's fine. You know what? That's a reasonable solution, but again, it's not ideal. Uh, and until Bluetooth technology gets up to the point where we get crystal clear audio and it's it lasts us for like a week then maybe this will be redundant and that day will come but yeah i'm, I'm glad samsung is doing this finally because they actually have really good audio processing chips in their in their phones anyways it's a good move on their part right so no i'm actually all on board with what shaban said and in, in the sense that samsung actually did remove it for the s8 and then they listened to the customers and they listened to the people and said that you know what it's fine to have the phone slightly bigger and yes nobody really asked for the phones to be slimmer they just decided in the interest of looking cooler we should make it thinner and bezel-less and all of that other stuff. Which, to be honest, as a person who uses a phone regularly, I don't think it's such a big deal. Yes, aesthetic looks nice. To have the state-of-the-art technology is good, but at what cost? I would like my phone to last a lot longer than a day. I mean, to be honest, I mean, I'd, I'd rather go home and reach home with about 20% of the battery rather than having to charge it in the middle of the day, which I end up doing now. So yeah, I'm all for uh, function over, you know, uh, beauty. Uh, which I think, by the way, a couple of phones have actually done and done really well. So I, I completely agree with you on both of you. In fact, there's absolutely no race to the thinnest paper-like phone, right? I don't I don't think that that's necessarily what we should be doing. And obviously, as long as form dictates, it should stay as thick as it, it is. With regards to the headphone jack, though, I don't know. I mean, so I have a phone that doesn't use a headphone jack. I have Bluetooth headphones, have absolutely no problem. Of course, it's not a Sennheiser, uh, you know, quality um, headphones or, or any other insert, you know, your brand here um, headphones. So I understand that. And I understand that we're going through this transition where Bluetooth headphones are getting better but they're not yet at that level and then uh, we have this issue with with the jack right but i i think i mean i, I don't think there's anything wrong with uh vendors trying to to push it a little bit because we're arguing about having more battery in our phones because they're thicker but hey guess what you know the when they take out that 3.5 mm jack they just have more space to put battery in there too so it, the argument kind of works both ways yeah it's nice that samsung's bringing the headphone jack pack and that's okay i don't i don't see anything wrong with that either by the way and i agree with you it's a good marketing move because it means it's hey we're you know we're the only smartphone that allows you to use your your awesome headphones without having to use a dongle and that's great obviously that's awesome but to me this seems like a yeah it's okay i mean it'll be this year but then next year they, they or in a two years time they'll go back to it anyway so it's not like a big deal for me and so it's important to note that this issue is mostly prevalent in flagship phones it's not not a problem for any mid-range or because guess what people will not buy a mid-range or a low-end phone that doesn't have a headphone jack they'll be like no, i'm not gonna do it uh, as far as battery is concerned Chirag, i'll tell you this if uh, if xiaomi can come up with a with a note phone with a 5000 or 4000 mEh battery which is about the size of an iphone maybe 100 grams heavier 150 grams heavier uh, i'll have to check with a headset built into it I'm sure Apple can do it as well. No, but that's that was not the point I was making, though. What I'm saying is we were saying that like, oh, you know, I don't want a very thin phone. I'd rather have a slightly bigger phone with a better battery so my phone lasts all day. So, okay, let's go back to that, right? So let's go back to that thicker phone, which has more battery. 
And you can still take out the headphone jack and do it. Like you don't have to put a headphone jack back in there. You can use that space for more battery or something else, some other technology that could be handy. Like uh, for me, I, I understand the trade-off that's being made or I understand the why people are doing it. And I, I don't think that, uh, you're right, it is, a, it is a flagship phone problem, but that, that tells me that it, that's, that's where it's going to go eventually. Right? Yeah, so I'll tell you why they have to take the headphone jack out. So if you have a phone that's full glass, like look at the new iPhone, or actually Apple was beat by Xiaomi in this section. They had the Mi Mix that came out two years ago, maybe. If you look at a full glass phone uh, and you look at the, the headphone jack, and there needs to be physical space for that, to, for that jack to go in. No, no, I, I'm not in disagreement with that. Like I said, I, I don't see it as giving less stuff. That's what I'm getting at. I know, I know exactly. And, and, and th- th- therefore, it's different for, for you and I, right? Because our priorities are different. And I think that's that's where there's a difference. In, and that's why we have this whole argument, right, Gerard, Where there's different people with different priorities. And uh, for some, it's it's a feature. For others, it's, it's a missing feature. Here's another thing that I have a point about that is that Bluetooth sound solutions aren't really accessible by everyone in good quality. Let me say that. So that is one of the biggest uh, deterrents for even the mid-range phones to switching to a non-headphone jack situation. Another trade-off of actually putting uh, removing the headphone jack was the fact that they had to actually switch to digital audio. They, they don't have enough solutions to plug into those ports. Yeah, but you know, I'll tell you what, I think there are certain things and I'm not saying that it applies all the time and it's not like a do this every time and it'll succeed thing. But there are enough examples in the past, right? You know, a, a decision was made in this way, and I'm talking a tech decision, that forced the other stuff to line up. So like taking out the floppy disk drive meant that like DVDs had to show up to handle capacity, right? I mean, CDs, sorry. Kind of like how things got replaced from C- from floppy to CD to CD to DVD. Actually, in the middle, there was this U-disk. Um, yeah, I don't yeah. Know if you and there was I-disk and Zip-disk and whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was fat floppy yeah, drives, yeah. Yeah, but you see now where we are. Like now we're not even shipping laptops with CD drives and now nobody cares. Yeah, I, I think at the end of the day, I think it's a good marketing thing to make sure that they sell more phones this year. And I think they will because they have the headphone jack. I, I do think it's an it's an important enough feature to enough people that people will buy it because it's got the headphone jack. But I, and I will not be surprised if they come out next year and they're like, okay, you know what? That was nice, but we're going to take it off this year. One of the themes that we're going to see quite often at TechTree is artificial intelligence. But this is a really, really broad topic, right? So today we're just going to touch on, you know, AI as it pertains to our home. 2017 was a big year for the smart speaker, having an always-on assistant plugged into your house, and the expansion of the smart appliance market. We're going to talk a little bit about this. We want to talk a little bit about some of the privacy implications of having these always-on devices in your houses. So let's start maybe perhaps by why we're really talking about this. Like what has changed in the last couple of years that has made home automation like so interesting to so many people that everybody's coming out with solutions for it now basically what's happening is that the way technology is evolving it's really getting into everyday life we're getting smart tvs we're getting smart phones and essentially now the way people are interacting with their devices the machines are speaking to the machines a lot more than you know anticipated so this is permeated into homes this is permeated into offices uh, it started off with offices and then they kind of made it smaller and brought it into the homes as well so stuff like uh, conferencing solutions, stuff like smart lighting, stuff like sensors that used to go into toilets in the big hotels. And now literally every apartment block can have them set up. So these are all passive smart solutions. And now they're getting more and more aggressive with trying to get more data pulled out of it. And uh, when all of us were having a discussion and um, we spoke about how smart homes are helping people. Chirag, I remember you and I were on the side where we believe that smart homes are good, so much so that you are actually doing something around it. And I am 
on the edge because I know about this stuff, but uh, I haven't really done much in that space. And we'll come to that in a bit, but um, smart homes are here. People are hearing a lot about it. They're curious as to how they're made. People come to us and say, how do you use an Arduino or a Raspberry Pi or a microcontroller to make smart home? So they're interested in how these things are made, but uh, would they set them up in their own home or actually do something around it? I don't know. We have to still get to that point just yet. So I don't necessarily believe that smart homes are useful right now in the way that they're currently set up. Don't get me wrong. I think it's a great, great technology. It will be very, very useful in the near future. It is not quite there yet. It will take a long time for, for that to happen. For me, we, we're calling everything smart these days. A smart speaker, a smart this, a smart chair, a smart, smart table, smart wire. It, it's starting to annoy me. For me, when something is smart is, is when it's actually, it, it causes me to do less work to get something done. So if I have to go from 10 steps in a task to two steps in a task using a smart device, it's smart. Or if it saves me time, so it, it, either task or time or, uh, savings are there. Yeah, I, I'm on board. The way things are right now, that's not the case. Look at the epitome of smart assistance. I, I use my phone. I know it's got a, either Siri or it's got uh, Alexa or Cortana. If you're on Android, it's got Google Assistant. But how much do I, do I actually use these assistants? It, it's really not that much because chances are when I'm in a noisy environment, I have to repeat myself more than once. And then I'm like, okay, I should have just typed in my query. Uh, there are limitations. What do you can do with smart homes? You have to really change out existing devices and just retrofit your entire house in certain cases. In certain cases, if you really, really want to use the technology. And it's expensive. So those things change. I'm not going to be on board. And that's why I kind of, I wouldn't say an anti-smart home, but I'm just I'm a little skeptical that this stuff is ready to go out of the box right now. So I think let's let's use that as a good starting point. What I wanted to add here is I think that's one of the reasons why we're talking about this too, right? I mean, the smart speaker, it's got a lot of focus in the last couple of years, particularly in 2017 right? Just about all the major providers coming out with their versions of one. For example, uh, you know, we look at Amazon, which, which got a lot of headway uh, before the others um, and doing pretty well, in fact, in terms of their smart speaker sales. And in fact, it's one of the, you know, they, they don't actually do a smartphone. As much as I, I, I like the concept of smart homes and I'm experimenting with it, and I think there's so much potential here, me personally don't find any use for a smart speaker. My usage of voice assistance is, is pretty low. I've noticed that like, the, you know, the interpretations of the assistant of what I'm saying is actually getting way, way better, like way quicker. But the number of tasks that I actually delegate to an assistant is, is very minor. Um, my primary and only use perhaps is like a couple of things and, and that's when I'm driving and I you know I get off a phone call and I want to jot something down or I'm in a parking lot and I don't want to overstep the time and I just quickly say like hey so, you know set a timer out for like an hour and a half or something but that, that's about as far as I can go with it and so if that's the case then like for me a smart speaker doesn't make a lot of sense right personally um, what about you guys like Partha what, what, what's your take on that I have an Alexa sitting in the office and I use Alexa purely to play music and listen to US news because Alexa is very region bound uh, it's linked to your Amazon account and Amazon doesn't have the kind of reach that Google does I have used and made Google Homes uh, in my lab and they are very regional so you can actually find more value in using something like a Google Home in the UAE I mean, if you had to pick one, I would go say go for the Google solution rather than the Amazon selection. Given the way technology uh, currently works within the UAE, and I'm going to speak sp specifically out of my own experience because I rent an apartment. I think twice before doing any kind of modifications to anything in my apartment. Using a smart assistant, unless there's enough smart tech in the house, doesn't really make sense. Now there's a, actually... If you go out into the market and if you're looking for some good smart solutions, using the smart assistant to actually 
tag into all of them is really very simple. So you could go out and get smart bulbs that can screw into your existing uh, holders. You have uh, multi multi room multimedia players that also tie into the same system. You, you can actually create an ecosystem within the house that makes it very easy for you to set up a smart home using a smart assistant. Not all smart assistants will work with smart homes. This, that's the bigger problem that I have is that compatibility between the different technologies really does my head in because I use Siri a lot. I don't use Google Home a lot, but Google Home does tie into the smart home really nicely. Google Home is not geared towards working on the phone. So like when I have to do like scheduling or I have to do search, I prefer using Siri because she's, she recognizes, she understands me a lot better than the Google Home Assistant. So it, it, it's it's very finicky. But you know that like, I, I don't know about Google Home, but you know, in, in Siri, you can tell her you're going to sound like an Indian and you'll come out much better. I did not know that. I'm going to test that out. So Siri has this thing where you can tell her what your input accent ish as well will be. So your English Indian versus English American versus English Australian or whatever. Um, and then it, it has a slightly better understanding of what, what you're saying. I think that we've got a regional problem with smart assistants as well, right? Like you just, like you correctly pointed out, because I think that that's, that's one of the bigger issues for me as well. Um, and I think that at the moment, Personally, I don't see any value in having something plugged in, sitting in, you know, with the speaker because I already have it on my phone. So if there is really something I'm going to delegate to it, I can do it on the phone anyway. And I think one of the reasons why, say, and Amazon took off uh, with, with the Echo, you know, uh, this year, especially in the US, is because it's so tied into Amazon. And then there's a huge population there that, that constantly uses Amazon to buy things. And now it's become like super easy to do that, right? Which you couldn't do on your phone. I disagree with that, Chirag. I, how easy is it to just to just pick up your phone and, and to pick something? Do you, do people really trust a speaker to put through an order that's going to cost them money? They do actually. You'll be surprised at how well Amazon Amazon Echo has done this year. Because so does does Amazon give you a list if you're price conscious and you're looking through a list of items that there's various other bidders or sellers on on Amazon? How does the process work? Does it pick out the what? How does it know what your priorities are? That's my my question. Always, is artificial intelligence does not know intent that well. Uh, it will take it a task and it will try and understand it the best it can at face value, but it will not understand intent. And it will it may understand from your previous. So yeah, if you've bought the same thing five times already and then you just want to restock, sure, go right ahead and it's easy peasy and you're not wasting time going to a walking to a laptop or or picking up your phone. But if you're shopping for something new, I'm not sure that this is the right way to go because, again, we need visual input to buy these things. So, yeah, there are limitations there. No, so I'm going to actually uh, jump in here and say that there are a bunch of different solutions that Amazon have bought out. Yes, intent is definitely very important. And if you're buying something new, I don't think anybody will ever do go to an Amazon Echo and say, uh, Alexa, please buy me something new, uh, product ABC. That doesn't ever happen. What Amazon Echo really does is for existing orders that have been completed in the past and is basically hygiene products in the sense that products that they buy from Amazon on a regular basis. And that is the kind of orders that they normally tend to see a lot of reorders using the Echo. There are also solutions that Amazon have bought out like the Amazon button that are catered to specific brands. And again, uh, they press the button to order a particular product only if they have ordered in the past and it has to be programmed with the 
with the style quality size price everything has been pre-coded so you know it's literally a no-brainer and they can just press the button and it automatically ships from amazon and this is a current solution so it's it's not blind purchasing uh it does take a little bit of training um but yeah it's it's definitely not blind i just want to add a quick the the new echoes that came out earlier this year now one of them now ships with the display as well yeah it's 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 stuff like this it's stuff that you might put on the wish list uh, so you've already like sanctioned it somewhere at some point in the past and then you know like something you put in your wish list say, okay i'm gonna buy it at christmas or something um but then you can actually just have uh it buy it off the wish list right because everything's already fed into your into your amazon account it's stuff like that i think you in fact unlike the others uh smart assistants with alexa like there is a specific way to to get things like you have to use specific words so that it, it knows exactly that that's what you want to try to do to try and i guess remove some of the potential confusions that might happen when it comes to intended see that's the thing Chirag. that's what i've been arguing this whole time is is if you have to jump through all these hoops to get it to do, to do this one task what is the point and now you you brought us something really important i think as also you said that they're now coming with screens it's not really an evolution because if it's going to come with a screen it may as well just be a tablet alexa is showing up in cars it will start showing up in other devices but a lot of it is just marketing bs i'm sorry uh it is designed to show people that you're doing something in- new and innovative when you're not necessarily doing anything new and innovative you're selling uh, less is more uh, and i don't agree with that i i think for for people that work in the tech industry it is our job to not job but it, it should be on, the owner should be on us to to be able to seek and cut through the bullshit uh maybe i'm wrong and maybe i'm being pig headed about it but till that thing gets any better until you you don't have to jump through hoops and to train it to to look at you know recurring things and and have it special ids and all of these things that you guys talked about for me that's not why why would i pay money for that because at the end of the day i am paying money for it and they are using not just that money they're also using my sound profiles and they're using it to build models of of my of my private data i'm not okay with that if you look at this as a transactional relationship i'm not getting my money's worth because they're getting a lot more out of me and a lot more value out of my data than i'm getting out of them because then i'm limited to what what uh what products are on the amazon Alexa list so to speak and i think part of the reason we don't see much value in it is because we don't have the, so i thought the same thing when the echo came out and i thought like this doesn't make a lot of sense to me because but yet the numbers indicate otherwise right people have not only really bought the echo but they've bought the second version just as much it's filling some kind of gap and i i don't necessarily identify with it but it is i think it's it makes sense for people whose lives are tied into amazon and that's probably a lot of people in the us uh, where they they've kind of made this sort of easy less interface less button clicking process to to order things or to to repeat grocery lists and things like that absolutely absolutely but that does not apply to the ua market and and there's another point in this entire thing uh shaban you obviously want something that will make your life easier but there is a process of building that product to reach a stage where it will make your life easier and that is exactly the evolution that all of these products are going through and there are people like chirag and myself who are willing to be hamsters in the running wheel for that just so that shaban can find the right product at the end of the tunnel Absolutely. I love I love that definition. Uh, there's very little I I can say to that point. You're you're absolutely spot on. There is a, a necessary evolution and the only way you can evolve is by going to the market and then fixing what what you see is wrong. And I really that is a very very good point and I can see to you. Um that is necessary for for this technology to get to the next step. This needs to happen. 
let's take it to to that too. the smart assistant the smart speaker is a very very specific item in a very very broad set of things that would be called home automation and so i think let's just touch on a couple of perhaps use cases uh, where partha can jump in maybe and and tell us like where have you used it where do you see like immediate potential that you might be interested in using it for so i'm moving into a new apartment and i will be making a few changes i've already spoken to my landlord and he's fine with it so one of the things that i'm really going to be doing is a, a remote key uh, i think chirag you've already got something like that and i'm going to be implementing that in the new apartment and i think that is very important it's a very solid secure solution that i can use for my house you know it gives me access to who's going to be outside my door and i can remotely monitor entry exit to my house there is always a fail safe and the device that i'm using is going to be pretty solid it's, it's something that i've made i'm going to be using uh, cameras smart cameras that are motion detected i'm going to be using smart lights that are sensor based which means that i'm only if the light goes down depending upon how much the light goes on depending upon which area the house need of the house needs to be lit up uh, only that will come on and even then it'll happen only if i'm at home and not otherwise so all of these things are going to be implemented uh, over the over the stay over the period of the next 6 months there are some very interesting use cases already so i mean we were talking about like our own experimentation with it so i i did sort of invest in the 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 philips whatever the the lighting system that they have and like but but there are actually so many things that can already be done the only catch at the moment is like you know there aren't enough vendors that are doing it and not all the vendors are are, are supplying to our regions and stuff so that's where the trick is for me like a it's a, it's such a nice use case right like we live in a very very hot country and when you're in the summer and you're out all day and stuff like that like you have to choose between either keeping your ac on like a low thing all day long so you can come home to a fairly cool house or you have to come in and and sit for about like i don't know whatever it takes your house to like cool down in within 20 minutes or half an hour and isn't it kind of nice that you can actually set it either from outside the house or at a certain time to kick off and start it energy efficiency is like such a huge application for or why i would invest in this further when you can start controlling your environment such that um you know things are firing off only when they need to so again environment monitoring temperature control and all this stuff is is where it's really interesting um and then um so i'm plugged into like apple's home kit so i'm trying to like find things that map into that so that that's again like i said it's one of the tricky bits we can use environment monitoring to like trigger specific things in the house or specific parts of the house and so there there are, there are these like little automation things for me that i think uh, where there's immediate value and where what well, that's what i'm trying to implement and see how it can be done but yeah it is a challenge in this region especially because even even uh, like this last week where you know i walked into a couple of stores to see kind of what what's on offer um you know in stores and it is fairly limited and not everything is compatible yet with everything and so there there is still this sort of a uh, problematic case if you're really trying to to implement something at a large scale smart homes is is by itself such a broad topic so i think we will revisit it when we talk a little bit more uh, about perhaps platforms and ecosystems and maybe general advice but let's just quickly touch on the the privacy and security concerns as well right so there's always going to be this extra exposure you know the more you know the more devices that are that are on and active and have chips in them what would be your concerns um, i'll start with shaban uh, you know with with the privacy angle to making you know uh, your home smarter so i think there's two schools of thought here there's a group of people that don't really care sort of mindset that if i'm not doing anything wrong um why do i have to worry why do why do i have to be concerned if 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 a website is using cookies to track my behavior or if uh, if facebook is using my data to produce models of my behavior or if google is using my searches to figure out what i want that stuff is going to help me 
And to a degree, they're right. Um, but what a lot of these people don't understand, and this is where I, again, this is my opinion, corporations use this data to try and control your behavior as well. And this is not something that's tinfoil hat theory. This is stuff that happens where they will try and use suggestions to, to nudge your opinion in a certain way. You need to understand that if you give your privacy up, you also give the ability for you to make informed decisions up sometimes. If that's important to you, that's fine. If it's not, that's fine too. Second t- category of people who are a bit, I guess I would fall into the latter, where I do not want corporations and some unknown person getting at my information. I'm not okay with that. I'm not okay with, with an appliance sitting in my house and listening to every single um, tab or conversation or or thought that's going on in, in, in this home. It's a, it's a private space. And the fact that a lot of these devices have always on connectivity and they're always uh, listening. And of course, manufacturers will say, you only turn it on when we use the keyword and we're supposed to take them as face value, but I don't trust corporations. And, and I'll give you a million examples of companies that said they did, will do one thing and they go out and end up doing something else. And there's nothing that is done about it later. OnePlus had this huge scandal where they were broadcasting without your knowledge. They were collecting information about your, your usage, including your, including, you know, everyone on your contact list, where you've been. That's not okay. They should have technically, if, if OnePlus did this, they should have a class action and they should be sued into the ground and, and gone past. But they put, they built great devices. They apologized and that's fine. And people are okay. There's not enough outrage. Or if there was, it's not enough to bring the company down because at the end of the day, once companies become big enough, nothing can be done about it. I am not okay in general as a matter of principle having something there that I cannot fully control. Uh, Shivan, let me just uh, just ask you a quick question. I, I, and I'm just asking this as a just a, as a counterpoint, not necessarily that I disagree with you. But would we be wrong in in asking the question that well, you know, we all are sitting with smartphones and tablets and other other very similar devices that can do very similar things already. There is an element of risk regardless of what we do. But then, are we exposing ourselves to that much more risk, or is it the same considering we already have these devices lying around? So the majority of smartphones um, don't necessarily have always on. Um, they don't have like hotkey keyword connected. Then all the flagship devices do, of course. But then there are six billion people on this planet, and not all of them have access to those devices. So yeah, there's a huge population that's currently not tapped into this always-on connectivity. Those of us that live uh, privileged enough to be able to have this technology around us, we do have that. And yes, you're right. So we're already exposing ourselves. You're right. But why should I specifically put in a device that is designed to do just that? My smartphone wasn't. It can be repurposed, of course, but it wasn't originally designed to, to do this. This device is, is specifically designed to listen to. And that's, I think, where I have a fundamental issue with it. Uh, Partha, do you, uh, what's your take here? So security is a very tricky situation with everybody. And uh, nothing I say will actually allay anybody's fears because unless somebody actually experiences it, there's no way that you can say anything that can make anybody feel comfortable. With that said, yeah, a lot of the concerns that uh, Shaban has actually put out here are valid points. And these are some things that even we try as developers to try and solve. Um, I'll just add to this that, and this is just, this is purely my take on the matter, right? The the rationalization for me uh, when it comes to saying, okay, yeah, I, I would like to check this out and I want to try and implement A, B or C or whatever it is, um, is that to some level, whatever we're doing in, in home automation today, and I'm, again, you know, the smart speaker and this always on thing is a, is a slightly different area. And I, 
I'm not necessarily touching on that just yet. But when I'm talking about the other stuff, right, the the intelligent lighting and the, the, the entries and the temperature control and any other automation that you can think of, um, is that all of these solutions are not being developed in isolation, right? So we've had significant advancements in, in security and encryption and everything else. And a lot of this stuff has been actually driven by the advancements we've had in smartphones over the last 10 years or so. The, the communication technologies, especially, which is what we need to talk about when we're talking about smart homes or the security within smart homes is, is also being built on similar mature technologies, right? They're not being built on um, okay, we're going to just invent this whole new thing and we'll figure out where the security holes are and then we'll eventually patch them at some point down the road. But instead we're saying, no, no, we'll start at the same level, the same level of encryption technologies and and the same level of whatever handshake communication and all the other fun stuff that has been used by smartphones and other devices and your routers and all of this stuff, both mature enough and, and large scale enough that it's readily available to everybody. So I think to some extent, that's what LA's my fears. Granted, I, I have a extra capacity perhaps being someone from the profession to be able to understand it better and, and read through better to know why a solution is better than solution B, for example. Yes, there is a privacy implication. Absolutely. We see all of these like smart camera technologies and stuff where just about every reputed camera provider today offers a solution where they will store, you know, the video feed, you know, online for like 30 days or, or something like that. Obviously, like the first thing you think about is storing, you know, my home videos uh, for 30 days and then what does that mean? How secure am I? And what are you doing to safeguard my data? So this is something that absolutely needs to be discussed and reviewed. For me, it's it's uh, interesting to note that like this is not being developed in isolation. This is being built on existing uh, mature technologies. Okay. I think there's one thing we haven't touched on yet is different types of home automation tech, what we can and can't do. And yeah, we kind of skipped ahead to all the intense stuff, right? Well, actually, I think that's the meat of the conversation. If you're, if you're a listener and you're like, okay, what do I get? We haven't really talked about it yet. And unfortunately, we're out of time. We touched on a couple of use cases regardless, right? Like we kind of in the process of giving examples. We can take on a topic on maybe home automation platforms and what you should look out for, maybe something like that down the road. Any any last thoughts? No, not really. Um, I think unless you've got any questions for me, I, I'm, I'm more of a Q&A sort of guy. So I have a question for you, Shaban. What is your Twitter handle? My Twitter handle is Irrespective. So you can, uh, I'll be happy to pick an argument with you online. You can tweet at me at A-I-R-S-P-E-C-T-I-V. Almost like a pop song, isn't it? <laughs> Got a nice ring to it. <laughs> Partha, where do, where do people get a hold of you? Yeah, so I'm, I can be found on Twitter as Partha, N-S-P-A-R-T-H-A-N-S. And my website is also the same, parthans.com. Uh, you can find me at ChiragMD. To subscribe to our podcast, you just need to go look up TechTree and you'll find us in most directories and any podcast player of your choice. If you have any questions, feedback, suggestions, don't forget to write into us. Uh, all three of us are on very active on social media and uh, we'd be more than happy to allay any fears, questions, thoughts, feedback. We welcome it all. Thanks a lot, gentlemen. All right. All right, guys.